This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. Happy New Year and welcome to 2022. We are back this year with the Get Fast podcast. We've got another big year ahead after a good uh, holiday period and break. Uh, With every new year naturally comes with a lot of resolutions and goals. And today we're going to take you through the seven must-do training rules for 2022. And often it's less about the resolutions or outcomes themselves and more about what actions do you need to take or change this year. So, Dad, welcome to the episode and welcome to the new year. Thanks, George. Uh, January is my favourite month of the year, not because it's just my birthday, but um, but I certainly love January. I love the the warm weather in Melbourne. Um, it's it's we wait a whole year to get to get to January. Um, the days are longer. Um, the sun's out. You've got the wind in in your face and the sun on your back. You can't can't be can't be any happier than that. It's unbelievable. I mean, we've had uh, some great weather, touch wood, big touch wood on that the last couple of weeks. It's been a great start to the summer here in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, shout out to everyone in the Northern Hemisphere who has to go back to training in the cold at the moment. Um, but I say touch wood because they are predict- they were predicting a really stormy um, summer again. So hopefully the weather keeps going like this. Starting off the year, let's go straight into our gratitude. What is your first gratitude for the new year? On the same theme, um, I love January because it's holiday time in the Southern Hemisphere, obviously. Um, everywhere in, in the world, Christmas has its, its break period, but for some people, it's literally two days, um, Christmas, Boxing Day, and New Year's Day. But for the majority of people who live in the Southern Hemisphere, it is absolutely holiday time. And, and I'm grateful for the opportunity for all of my family to get back together and reunite from wherever they've come from all over the place, uh, whether they've been in COVID lockdown or whether they've been interstate. Um, we all got together, get together and uh, spend some time together. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to catch up with everybody. Um, you're all growing up and going your own separate ways and um, it's really good to get everybody back around that, uh, that holiday period. I was one of the uh, tens of thousands of people in Melbourne that got COVID over the break uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't fun, I'll say that much. Um, everyone reacts differently and uh, it was actually a few, tough few days there. Um, but my gratitude is that I had the vaccine, uh, I think. Um, had I not had it, it would have been a lot scarier. You don't really know what the outcome is going to be and everyone's reacting differently to various uh, strains or whatever. I think some people, I think the majority are finding that if you had the Omicron strain, then most people are better off that. And the Delta strain seems to be a bit worse. I, I don't know which one I had. They don't actually tell you, but me and my friends were saying that, you know, we were we had a pretty rough few days where we all had a really high fever, et cetera. And we were saying, geez, this is what we're like with the vaccine. Imagine without, you know, um, and, you know, that's not to be political or anything. Some people didn't get the vaccine and had COVID and they're fine. So, um, well done to them. But for me personally, I'm grateful for vaccines and that I had it. And when I got COVID, I actually felt pretty safe. Someone asked me, oh, are you scared of COVID? And I said, not really, because I'm, I'm vaccinated. So that should give me the best protection. But it really ran rampant through Melbourne over the last couple of weeks. Um, just insane case numbers throughout the whole east coast of Australia and uh, we're seeing plenty of people get it and so once again we're in a different situation where um, it's it's a different uh, world we live in last year it was uh, can we minimize it to as little cases as possible now it's just kind of everyone seems to be getting it it's how do you manage it and expect that you're going to get it and how do you manage it which we'll touch on in this topic what's caught your attention to start the new year um, I suppose on that same theme um guys getting sick with COVID and, and people not starting the year off the way they wanted it to have happen and having to readjust your, your goals that you were so keen on 10 days ago. Um, that's what's caught my attention. And I think um, inevitably everybody's going to be touched by COVID at some point. And it's the timing, I think, that that is really what you want to have happen and we've got no control over that either. So we've got very little control over the whole last two years. But um, for example, the Nationals titles for cycling in Australia on this coming week. It's the biggest week in Australian cycling. We've got the National Road Race and the uh, the National Individual Time Trial for the Elite 
and there's some fantastic uh, Australians come home um, for these national titles. It's also the national titles for the Masters category um, for, you know, everybody who's just an everyday cyclist, male and female, and, and uh, you know, there's the one, the one part of the year where you get to race alongside the elite guys. You're not in the same race, but you're on the same course, doing the same events. So that's what's caught my attention is the preparation plans that people have uh, had going to something like a big event like this and all of a sudden uh, getting to the line seems to be difficult because we have uh, – one of the events during the week is uh, the club's team's time trial, four-man team, and you are racing in age categories and we've entered five Trivello teams and every single one of those teams has got one or two people who've just got COVID. I had someone this morning. The race is in two days' time. I've had someone this morning contact me saying, I'm sorry, I've just got COVID today. So getting to the start line seems to be just as hard as the preparation and the race. This is a theme just in general, not not to do with COVID. I mean, for for anyone, but specifically age groupers, uh, getting to the start line is half the battle. Getting to the start line healthy and in form, uh, it really needs to be a big focus. And we always say this in our programs, in our videos, in our membership site, is that your big goal is to train consistently, but it's also to make sure you just get to the start line because that seems to be a big hurdle for a lot of people. I've got a, a heap of examples. Um, talking to one of their triathletes um, in Hong Kong, Mark, and I think this is his eighth event that's been cancelled on him. Um, f- the event has been cancelled, but he can't actually get to it because mm-hmm. of uh, the rules around um, COVID about um, – how long do you have to be um, in quarantine for post and, and pre and, and access to different countries? And, you know, to be, to be preparing for eight different events and having them all cancelled is pretty big mm. uh, thing to happen. Uh, now, one of the cyclists has had four years in a row where something's gone wrong come, come January where he's been aiming for an event that's, you know, his, his event for the year and what for some reason – it just hasn't worked. You yourself have, have entered, this is your fifth triathlon you've entered and for various reasons, a couple have been cancelled, yeah, got an injury on one, another injury on another, COVID on this one. So so there's another example of you've had five attempts at trying to get to the start line, but you can't. Mm. And it's not through any fault of your own and it's not through any fault of anybody's, it's just the way things happen and You've just got to, you know, pick up your bat and ball and go on again and and uh, get prepared for the next for the next stage and and that's that's a hard pill to swallow. I think, you know, you're preparing so well for an event and all of a sudden it's taken away from you. There are that many examples of this happening all over the world, so you can't feel sorry for yourself anymore. You've just got to, you know, get on with it. Um, start again. Not start where you finished have to start slowly and build again. And they're the key things that people must remember. Oh, look, I was in good form two weeks ago. Well, you don't start where where you finished off. You've got to start slowly. And the example I'll use with you is, you know, your first ride was zone one recovery. Your second session was an easy jog. Your third session was zone two. And, you know, you, you were in great form before this happened two weeks ago. But we didn't start you with intensity. We, you know, the next session is going to be 75 to 80 percent and the next session after that's going to progressively get harder but only if you feel like it Mm. so there are no rules here but that's what's caught my attention is um what happens to people when they can't get to a start line matthew vanderpoel back injury all of a sudden in great form now he doesn't even know whether he's going to be riding in the next eight weeks or not that'll have a huge effect on his season his tour de france everything the team you know, then you have to you have to cop that. It's part of it's part of what you do as an athlete. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. There's going to be bumps along the way. So it's a long winded what's caught my attention, but I think it needs to be really pointed out that very few people have a year on year on year on year on where nothing goes wrong. And, you know, that's that's the measure of how motivated and how determined you are as to how you respond to things that go wrong 
it's all very well being, you know, downwind sailor, um, a fast running forward who doesn't want to go into defence. You know, they're the only examples of, you know, you've got to test yourself on when things don't go so well. And I, I was actually thinking about this because one of our really good athletes, um, probably probably our best triathlete we have, uh, races you know, basically in the elite category, has had an unbelievable six to nine months of training, r- incredibly consistent, no injuries. And I was thinking about them last week. This is ironic. They're thinking just they've put together such a good training block and they, they don't miss a session, you know, just week after week of really good training volume. And his three-week holiday training program has been incredible. Yeah. Um, and he, this person's a physio as well, so they take care of themselves and so they've re- massively reduced the risk of injury. Haven't been sick, anything. I thought, geez, that's a, that's a good run. Um, and then they got hit by a car on the weekend. And yep, yesterday. Yep. Yeah. And I just thought, geez, it took that to stop their, their halt of their training progress. But it just reminded me that those things can happen. You can be as incredibly consistent as possible. You can do everything right. Um, and then someone else's fault, can, you know, someone can hit you and, and that can take it away. And luckily he's fine um, and he should still race this weekend, which is really good to walk away from a crash. But um, yeah, that was a reminder to me that, yeah, sometimes there's, there's things you can control. And our advice is always that you've got to be aware of this, that getting to the start line is a battle. So do everything you can to make sure you don't make a mistake yourself that stops you from getting to the start line, you know, overdoing things, getting yourself sick. Uh, but other times it's completely um, out, of your control. out of your control and that can just happen. And um, for my experiences over the last three months, you know, coming into tri-season and entering all these races um, and each one fail, each one fail. Um, and each time we've had a good conversation and, and it's exactly what you've said, just, all right, the decision's been made, can't do this one, move on to the next. And that's actually been really helpful to um, just make the decision and move on. No point dwelling on it or, like you said before, pick up your bat and ball and, and go again. That's uh, been the most helpful advice for me. What's caught my attention is uh, over the holiday period, we've had a few athletes um, talk to us about inevitably you know, falling off in quotation marks. The wagon a little bit with a really busy December, a uh, really busy holiday period with other things in life. We've had a few questions of people asking what they, sh- what they should do about it if, if training didn't go to plan. And we spoke about this before the new year where most people overdo it, but inevitably sometimes um, life just gets in the way, family holidays, and then they feel like they've fallen off the wagon a little bit. They're asking, do I redo that block of training? Um, do I just let it go? What if I've lost too much fitness? People are worried that they've undone a lot of hard work leading into that period. So what's the mindset there coming out of this period if it didn't go as well as you wanted? How ironic. We were so worried about people overdoing it and that was what our podcast pre-Christmas was all about. Don't overdo it. And yet we've got a percentage, and it's not a big percentage, but we do have a percentage of people who actually went the other way and did very little. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there that aren't on a structured program are more like this where because they didn't have the structure, it fell away a little bit. Yes. Um, Whereas if you had structure, it's a lot easier to stick to it. Yeah, but I'd love to see the percentages of people who did too much, didn't do enough and did exactly the right amount. Did you did you think you had a, a majority percentage overdo it like you predicted? No. We were right in the middle there. People followed the program. I've had only a few outliers who I've just shaken my head going, far out. That's exactly what we told them not yep. to do. Yep. Um, and I don't think I've had anybody who can really say that they've underdone. Mm-hmm. So I've been really satisfied. People obviously taking notice of uh, of the advice and and really, you know, taking it seriously. And I don't mean so serious that you don't, you know, spend time with your mates training, um, but actually understanding when to spend time with your mates was uh, was the advice we were trying to give. But post now, looking back, we knew that this would happen. There would be a percentage in three camps, underdone, perfect, and too much. Mm-hmm. So what is my advice? You cannot catch up. It's just not something you're back in your routine of work normally. So when are you going to catch up? But let's be realistic. You can do extra on weekends to, to rebuild your fitness in zone one and two. That would be my advice. The endurance, the endurance session is the one where you can build your fitness back up if you feel like you've, you've lost it. Um, if you haven't actually trained much at all, you really need to retest. Because uh, if, it's, if it's been two or three weeks or four weeks where you've done very little training, you won't be at the same FTP as we, when you finished November, start of December. You could have lost 10% mm-hmm. um, in that four weeks. If you, I'm talking extremes. Yep. 
So there's a few things you need to do. You need to either retest. You need to not jump straight in. You treat it like you've been sick. You start progressing with zone one, zone two, zone three, whether it's swim, bike, run. You you just build yourself up like you've been sick or injured. You don't just resume the program. Um, start with a test and start building based on your new lower number, if that's what it is. If you test and it's the same, very good. Mm. That's an excellent outcome. Yep. The reasons for that would probably be because you, you may have a great base that you've been doing this a long time. The people who've only been doing it a short time, they'll find the drop-off is quicker. That's a really good point. So I was going to ask, you know, what about your mindset coming back if you really feel like you've, um, you've, you've let yourself down? How do you cope with that mentally? Are you just going to start your program back, but you're panicking a little bit because you feel like you've lost a lot of fitness. Testing is a perfect way to gauge, well, how much have you actually lost? Yes. Yeah, draw a line in the sand. Yeah. And I've had to do it to myself regularly. And trying to train at a number that I'm incapable of achieving is going to be far worse for you each day mm-hmm. when you're going to do your high-intensity session and you're failing the session because you're not fit enough mm-hmm. at that number. So I'm realistic. I've done that. Now I don't want to do that anymore. I want to train at the number that I'm capable of achieving. And what a different outcome I have. I know that I'm possibly 15 watts lower, but that's okay. I'm achieving the result in the training session. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I keep doing this week in, week out, month in, m- month out, block after block, I will get back to where the number I want to. Mm-hmm. But I can't start with that number. Yeah, spot on. On that note, let's get into the seven must-do training rules for 2022. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, um, then I would challenge you to guess what the first one is going to be because uh, it's as cliche as we can get for ourselves, but it just has to be said every single time. And the number one rule is, I'm not going to use the G word, uh, but that's what it is, but I'm going to say have a target and have something to work towards, aka the G word is a goal. (laughs) But it just has to be said to start with. You know, you have to have something that you're working towards and, you know, if you think about the compass, we talk about, you know, the North Star, you always have to... Whenever you're making a decision or you've, uh, you're deciding what kind of training program to do, you need to be able to go back to your North Star and your goal and base your decisions around that. Yeah. Um, just remember that each, each day, each week, each month, each year, you're on a continuous journey and you're in it for the long haul. We use that a lot. But you've got to have a destination point and it could be, could be four destinations along that journey. Now I've reached destination A, mm. I reset go again, destination B. But if, if you're just driving around the countryside with no nowhere or any idea of where you're actually wanting to go, then it, it will have an effect not only mentally on what's the point each day of getting up. If, if I start work at 7.30 and I have to get up at 5 to do that session, my motivation might not be really high if I can't look forward to see I want to be on that start line. Well, what, what start line? I haven't even got one. You know, I want to have something that I can actually look forward to to get me to get training properly. And you don't have to have a race. It can be, you know, I want to improve my FTP by 10 watts in six months' time, you know. got a guy who's, you know, started with this over two years ago and, you know, he had a lofty goal of 300 watts as his FTP. And when he started... It was a long way from 300 watts. I'm thinking low 200s. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about 80 watt improvement. And before Christmas, he achieved it mm-hmm. in two years. Mm-hmm. That to me was thinking about the big picture, setting a goal that's, you know, people say, can I do that? And I said to him, there's no ceiling. We've said that many times. Mm-hmm. You can aspire to whatever you want. It might take you five years to get there, um, you know, depending on a whole lot of things what age you are, how much you've been cycling in your career or doing triathlons in your career or doing running races. There's so many things that contribute to, to how long it's going to take you, but don't put limits on yourself. Aspire to have something that's going to really challenge you. And at the time, you know, I was sort of saying, yeah, this is possible, but don't expect it to happen in six months. This mm. is not going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, since then I've had two or three conversations with other people who are talking about goals of FTP. If you're not selecting a race, an FTP goal or a 10K PB or a 
1500 metre swim PB. Um, these are all really good things that you can just use as stepping stones to maybe a, an event that's in a year's time or six months' time. Um, so, so setting goals is is really paramount to giving you the direction of your journey so that you can actually end up at a destination and final finalise that destination by executing on the day and then resting up, restarting and setting your next your next trip, your next overseas trip, which, you know, which is what what's your next uh, target that you're going to achieve. And the follow-on from that and rule number two is what kind of athlete do you want to be because goals are great and the end destination is a great thing to look, look towards, but it's about the process of what you need to actually do to achieve that goal and get to that destination. So, this is basically specificity of training, but when you've got that end goal in mind, you need to ask yourself, uh, okay, well, what kind of athlete do I need to be to get that goal? What kind of training do I need to do to get that goal? If you want to be a hill climber, then your training needs to be geared towards that. If you want to be a 70.3 athlete, which we know is becoming increasingly po- popular, your training needs to be specific around that event and you need to do the kind of things that a 70.3 athlete needs to do compared to if you want to just do Olympic distance triathlons or if you want to do Ironman. Um but really getting specific about the type of athlete that you need to be will help in your decision-making with what kind of training you need to be doing. And throughout the year, if you're ever getting a bit lost or off course, you can come back to this. Yeah, and also we have events that suit people better. You know, we've had many podcasts on really heavy-weighted athletes wanting to do events such as peaks, which is, you know, 4,000 metres worth of climbing over 10-plus hours. And clearly that doesn't suit someone who's 100 kilograms. It's not to say you can't do it, but we're talking about picking specific events that suit you and then training specifically for that event. Mm. And I've used the example of Sean who who wanted to do the ball ball classic and Sean was 104 kilo and got himself to 84 kilo and trained in the hills for two years to achieve that goal and finished in the top 10 and rode incredibly well. Um, but, you know, he trained specifically for that event and did things with himself, such as losing weight, such as, you know, making sure that he's riding the hills twice a week, doing the high intensity sessions, doing the recovery right, um, doing all the one percenters right so that he became a hill climbing phenomenon mm-hmm. and was challenging all the best climbers in our local group. Yet when he first started, he was getting dropped every single time he went up uphill. So they're examples of, um, yes, you need to select events that suit you better, but there's an example of someone that didn't suit him at all, but changed, was willing to change everything about himself to make that goal probability and then training specifically for that goal. So there's no use you saying, you know, I want to be the best hill climber that I can possibly be myself and just doing crit races and and staying on the example is in Melbourne, staying on the flatlands, which is the beach road circuit where it's beautiful next to the ocean and, and you know, you're in bunches where you're hardly pressing the pedals. Whereas, you know, if you if you want to specifically be a hill climber, you need to be nowhere near beach road. You need to be in the hills on one or two sessions per week and using the beach road circuit for your recovery. So the specific training is so important for the outcome of what you're selecting and it's important to select something that is achievable for yourself and the example we'd use is if if you're wanting to do a triathlon yet you have four children and you've got a job that's flat out, you're going to find it hard to be a triathlete, you know. It's, it's not going to be something that you can fit in trying to do three different sports when your life is crazy hectic. You know, you've got to be realistic in in what you can do in the day. And that is merged with our rule number three, which is being realistic with your lifestyle. So, you know, you you talk about setting goals specific to you and what you can achieve, but you need to also be realistic with where you're at in your life right now. And you just really wanted to make this point for 2022 because you do see a lot of people who are working 60, 70 hour weeks and want to do an Ironman. And you're just saying you have to understand where you're at in your life and be realistic with that and accept that maybe this goal isn't the right time for you. Yeah, prioritizing something that fits around your lifestyle. And I'm not talking about you as an individual. If you're a single person and you don't have any commitments other than looking after yourself, well, that's probably okay. The job might be 60, 70 hours, which might prevent you from training for an Ironman. 
But if you've only got six or seven hours a week that you can allocate to train for an Ironman, I would question whether that's the right event for you. There are so many other events that you could do that take less time to prepare, such as a 70.3 or an Olympic or a sprint. You're still doing a triathlon. You're still going through the process of training towards an event, but you've got to be realistic and understand, you know, it's okay, say, plan, prepare and perform, (laughs) but if you're actually not planning based around realistic um, lifestyle that you actually have, you're going to have so many failures along the way. It's not fun opening training peaks when you didn't do yesterday's sessions because you worked all day Mm. and you got home at 9 p.m. and you were meant to do a high-intensity session. You got up at 7 and you're exhausted. It's it's demoralizing that you miss that session. No matter how motivated you are, if you're exhausted from working – um, you know, and, and I'm talking about a single person. Imagine if you've got a family that you've come home to and you walk in the door and you've been working all day and then all of a sudden you're going to say, I'm going for an hour and a half training session. The popular popularity contest is not going to be won there. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay, say out loud that I'm not trying to tell you what, you what to do, but you have to understand that there's consequences from your decisions. So select something that's still going to give you enjoyment, still going to give you fun, still going to give you motivation, still going to give you the endorphins of satisfaction, of achievement. But don't put pressure on yourself that's going to cause other things to derail, such as your family. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about this because I've seen so many people over the 40 years I've been involved in, in sport where the single-minded, determined athlete has actually lost his marriage or lost his job, you know, or and ends up depressed. You know, you've got to have the balance. So, so you've got to understand where you're at in your life, what stage you are, um, and select events that will fit in with your lifestyle. And we we interview people saying, join join our coaching group. Tell me about your job. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your goals. And the three form a triangle. Mm. And in that triangle, if one of those sides of the triangle, family, work, and your passion, if one of those things isn't going well, then one of those sides collapses and the whole triangle ends up flat. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep the triangle as a triangle, you need to keep everything in check and keep a balance. And that's not, it's easy to say, it's not easy to do. And I'm I'm a big advocate for selecting things that, are achievable not only for you but for the people who you care for the most. The phrases I've heard you use in regards to this are um, training expectations and performance expectations because these factors, these other factors that will influence your ability to train and your lifestyle um, will impact your expectations of yourself of what you can achieve in training and if you're misguided in that and if you're not realistic with where you're at, then you're going to be expecting yourself to train to a capacity that you can't actually achieve and then a result of that is that you don't perform to the expectation that you have in your head and I've heard you often say that you're going to be disappointed on race day. You say to athletes, you're not being realistic with where you are right now and that's going to lead you to train poorly and not train properly for the event and therefore you're not going to get the performance you're looking for yet in the athlete's head, they've got this this, this goal of how they're going to perform on race day and it, there's a mismatch there and it's, it's not adding up. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, if, if I can hear the athlete say, I'm okay, Jared, with the fact that I wanted to do 10 hours for the Ironman or I wanted to do 9.30 for peaks or I wanted to run 3.20 for the marathon, but I know that the training that I've done isn't going to allow me to achieve those goals. I need to pick another goal that's a bit more realistic. I'm absolutely okay with that. But the person who says, no, I still want to do 320 or I still want to break nine hours for peaks or I still want to go under 10 hours, I'm not okay with that. that that's just head in the sand, single-minded, refusing to understand where you're at. You know, ambition and ability getting them confused. Um, your ability is determined by where you are in a certain point of your training load. You may be a very talented athlete, but if you haven't trained, your ability is less than it should be. So your ambition of that goal will be, you'll be very disappointed post-race day, inconsolable probably, and will be standing there going, I don't know what happened. Mm. And instead of um, listening to the advice and, and maybe not selecting that event 
or selecting better um, realistic goals for the event. And, and if you're still wanting to do the event and you've trained 50% of the time, you need to reassess your goal of the actual outcome on race day. And that's, that's the point that I'm getting people to uh, almost, I'm getting frustrated with it, but I'm frustrated when they get to the end of the race and they're disappointed. It, it's like, why are you disappointed when it was clear that you were never going to achieve those goals? And we had that discussion, yet you're still disappointed. Moving on to the next rule, this is one that you just want to get across to athletes in general and anyone thinking about uh, a new event and wanting to start a program and that's give yourself more time because everyone wants to do a 12-week program or something to a 70.3 and they're just missing some crucial periods of training. Yeah, the New Year's resolution or the coffee shop talk, oh, this event in, in three months' time, let's do that and it's great. I love it. But what have you been doing up until this point? Have you had a really good base period where you're really fit? And remember, 12 weeks isn't that much of a period to prepare for a big event. And I suppose if we looked at a sprint race as a triathlon or a criterium race or some sort of short time trial, that would be absolutely fine. But not when we're talking endurance. If you wanted to do, you know, it's January now, and if you wanted to do peaks in March, which is a big a big race in Victoria in Australia, which is 240-odd K and 4,000 metres of climbing. And it's, you know, the best guys do seven, seven just over seven hours and, and the slowest guys are doing 15 hours. So it's a big day on the bike with 4,000 metres of elevation is unbelievably hard, hard riding. But if you wanted to do that in the next 12 weeks, that is, you know, right now in January, mid-January, it's too late. Yet I still have people who want to enter those events. And that's okay if you've got a really good base under you. But, but picking an event that's too close is going to also cause you to be disappointed with the outcome. Give yourself more time. Don't pick an event. I've got guys who are picking Busso 2022. Unbelievably good planning. They're picking that, you know, in December in 2021 – when I'm asking them, what are your goals for next year? And, you know, some people said a race in June. Some people said a race in September. Some people said a race in December as their A race. Fantastic. Six months, nine months, 12 months for endurance type events such mm. as Ironman or 70.3. But picking a race in 12 weeks time, if you don't have a background in endurance, is is going to be a massive disappointment on race day and you'll be exhausted. You'll, you'll probably get through it if you, if you may be walking for a majority of it, but you're not giving yourself a chance to perform um, with dignity, with almost with dignity. And, you know, how do you perform without dignity? I reckon walking in a triathlon is performing without dignity and I've done it myself. So um, it's not something I, I ever want to revisit, but, but certainly uh, you need to give yourself more time to prepare properly and, and it does depend on who you are as an athlete and what fitness level you have and what your base that you have behind you before you can make endurance uh, course selection choices. A caveat for that is uh, just on the, the walking thing is a lot of triathletes get into it and they walk in the triathlon because they're not fit enough to run. And um, you're not saying it's a bad thing that you're a beginner. You're saying that um, just because everyone is walking doesn't mean it's normal. And if you do enough training, even if you're a beginner, you can get through the run without having to walk. You know, you can get yourself fit enough. And that's just a really important point to make is that you're not trying to bash anyone for walking. No, it's not at all. Definitely not what, yeah. No, look. Unfortunately, I, f I feel because people are underprepared, the triathlon event is becoming a swim, bike and run walk. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I don't like that. Yeah. I, I want people to be better prepared so that they can actually do the event as it's supposed to be, which is, you know, even if this is your very first Ironman and we've had, you know, so many newbie guys come and join us and invariably because they are not uh, executing their race plan is causing them to walk, not their fitness. Mm. You know, their preparation's been perfect, but actually on the day, mm. their execution caused them to walk by going too hard. Yep. Um, so that's a different scenario. Yep. But even in your first event, um, as, a, as a novice triathlete, if you run to your race plan and execute your day, 
you should be able to, if you've trained well, you will be able to run the whole way. And that's why it's, you know, losing the dignity as a walker is because you actually done, made a mistake along mm-hmm. the way, whether it's selected the race too soon yep. or ex- poor execution. Yep. Our next must-do training rule for the year is uh, is to set challenges for yourself. And this is in, in the context of training challenges. Uh, and we talk about, you know, what kind of athlete do you aim to be this year? What kind of athlete do you want to be? And so uh, what kind of challenges can you set for yourself to become that kind of athlete? And we talk about being as consistent as possible, you know, challenging yourself to how consistent can I be this year? But you could break it down even further, you know, what do I need to do in the next quarter um, to get towards my goals? You know, let's say that over the next quarter, you have 12 long runs to do, um, 12 weeks worth of long runs or 12 long endurance rides to do. Can you, how many of the 12 can you actually get done? You know, can you get all 12 done? Is that unrealistic? Can you get 11 or 10 because things come up? Or maybe you've got a couple of races on, so the maximum amount you can do is um, nine long rides out of the 12. So you need to say to yourself, with every week that you miss, you know, every single long ride becomes really important. So can I make sure I get my nine long endurance rides in over the next quarter? And then after that, recess for the quarter after that. Sometimes if you aim for a full year and you don't achieve it, that's where resolutions go astray and, and people fail at them. But setting yourself challenges of what can I actually do to make myself the best athlete in the next block. Yeah, it's a, it seems one that no, not many people think about that much. They're just uh, really concentrating on the big goal, which is what we've been telling people to do. But to get to the big goal, you actually have to, you know, the old analogy, you have to crawl and then, you know, walk and then run. You know, you've got to go through phases. So having small stepping stones along your journey towards your big A race, they're little things that you're talking about, you know, what was I doing in if I was doing as a cyclist five minute reps, five by five minute reps, and I knew that I could hold two sixty watts, and um, you know by the end of you know week nine, can I do those five by five at two sixty five? You know on a velodrome riding at thirty six k's an hour, now I can do it thirty seven k's an hour. They're little challenges that you should be thinking about. Not just going through the process of, oh, here's my intensity session. Let's just let's just get it done. Thinking about, you know, and I, the example I would use on myself is as a swimmer who's had 20 years out of the pool and just starting swimming with your brother, Matt. And, you know, we started off by just trying to do a swimming session where we could get through um, a K or 1,200 or 1,500 and, sort of doing intervals but really concentrating on just trying to build our fitness and not trying to push ourselves and our times were 150s per 100 and 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 then starting to concentrate on right let's do four 100s and see if we can do them under 150 with 30 seconds off and that was i think eight weeks ago and now we're at eight 100s under 130 with 30 seconds and it's not because um we're just improving well, we are improving, but we're thinking about mm. each session as a little challenge. Mm-hmm. What what are we doing with our skills as a swimmer? We're doing drills to improve. So we're, we're thinking about the sessions and making the sessions better each time, making the sessions valuable because we're trying to implement the drills and the skills that we've learnt, which is making us swim faster. And obviously we are improving our fitness along the journey, but the fitness isn't the reason why we're swimming faster. It's because we're actually looking at each session with a goal in, the, in each session and trying to achieve it and pushing each other because we're swimming together in separate lanes side by side. And that's just an example of people who are both very unfit. Both of us haven't swum for a long time. Matt hasn't, you know, Matt's 32. He hasn't swum since he was 22. So he's been out of the water for 10 years. And, you know, he could swim under one minute for a flat out 100 metre. So he's no slouch as a swimmer. He did squad swimming. And I'm using this example to show you that how far back he is now, he's barely able to swim 100 metres four times at 150. Mm. Yet he was a a 58, 57-minute, 100-metre racer. So you have to start somewhere. And and having these little challenges along the way is examples of what I'm trying to say. Um, Take notice of what you're doing in each session. Don't just go through the motions. What did I do last week? What should I try and do? Can I match it this week or do I have to stay the same? 
Um, so they're little examples of uh, stepping stones is what we're really trying to promote for 2022. Don't just, you know, pick a, pick a goal and then just fill in in between. The in-between is the journey that's important. Mm-hmm. And having many challenges to keep, keep you on track, keep your mind focused as to how you're progressing. I get bewildered when someone asks me, how do you think I'm going? I just find that an unbelievably odd question. What, you don't know how you're going? Mm. And why don't you know how you're going? Aren't you taking any notice of what your numbers are? You know, I should have someone saying to me, did you think I did well with those five by five? Because last week I did 260 and then I did 262 and 263. That's a a conversation I love having. Mm -hmm. The person's invested in their own improvement because they know exactly what they're doing. So to have a question come out at me, how do you think I'm going? It might be, you know, generally I want your opinion and I'm happy with that to answer that. But I'm asking you, how do you think you're going first? Mm. And give me reasons why you think you're the same, bad or better. Training rule number six for the year, and this is definitely specific to this year, and we spoke about it uh, at the start, and that's coming back to training from COVID. And Yeah, we spoke about it earlier in the podcast, but it seems inevitable that majority of people around the world are going to get COVID at some point, which previously, you know, millions of people are getting it, but now it just seems like, especially in Australia, majority are going to get it. It's just running rampant. Um, so what do you do once you get it? And how do you come back to training? Uh, you need to be patient. Um, what kind of expectations can you have? Um, and you might have to rethink your races as we talked about. Yeah, I'll, I'll be brief because we have already touched on it, but you just can't resume as if you're okay. You've got to resume as if you've been injured or as if you've had pneumonia or the flu or, and COVID is, it's a virus. So you must start really easy and progress and now already I feel like I'm an expert in bringing people back from COVID because I've had I think eight or nine people with COVID already you know starting eight weeks ago six four two people in the middle of it now people just got it today so you know I'm saying look everybody's different but it could be seven days of no training whatsoever so just relax rest sleep take as much fluid as you can take the pressure off I can't train Be okay with that and just try to do everything you can to recover by getting as much sleep as you can and and not thinking about how my my fitness is dropping. That is detrimental to to your improvement. Ride out the period of when you're sick and then when you feel like you want to train, that's a good sign, then start with a zone one ride where if you're a runner, you just go for a walk you know, a walk for 15 minutes. If you're a swimmer, go and do an easy 15-minute swim. If you're a triathlete, start with a ride. And then zone one ride, zone run, run, zone one run. And then as each day goes by, and it could take seven days before you actually do a high-intensity session. So from when you get COVID, it could be 14 days until you're ready for a high-intensity session. That seems to be the general rule. And once you do your first high-intensity session, I'm thinking from the experience I've had with a few athletes already, they were struggling with their heart rate, with their breathing. But once they got that first high-intensity session out, it seemed to be okay after that. But everybody's going to be different. So that's my advice. If there is an event coming up, you just have to cancel it. And that might be hard to swallow, but there is always going to be another event. And just reset and start from that point onwards. A big uh, disclaimer here is obviously this is not medical advice. This is just general advice that that we found is working for us at the moment, but uh, you need to seek a medical professional uh, in this context um, and we just have to have that said and it's in our our disclaimers in the description as well that we are not medical experts, so don't take our medical advice from us. But, I mean, from our personal conversations, it's a really hard one to cancel another race, you know, um, Mm. and... Your advice to me was slightly different. You didn't just can the race straight away. You said you can. You have the option of taking it day by day. And um, sometimes you do just need to can it so that mentally it's just the decision's made. Um, but because I personally have been feeling okay since recovering, we are taking it literally day by day because there's a race in three days, you know, and yep. most likely you know the outcome. But Yeah. And look, in your situation, you're trying to line up for a team's race, which is a four-man team. And if you were just racing by yourself, it wouldn't affect the others, but for you to go into a team race, it's like, do I go to the grand final injured knowing that I could break down in the middle of the grand final and let my teammates down? You're better off in a team situation not starting because you're going to actually hold the others up. 
if you're doing it as an individual, then you're only affecting yourself. So at least you can be satisfied that you gave it a crack. But, you know, knowing how sick you get and then trying to ride with intensity, like I said before, you're not going to be able to ride with intensity. So it's, you know, common sense doesn't prevail here, Mm. but you need someone to tell you Mm -hmm. that common sense is you can't do that. Our last rule, training rule for 2022, and this is just uh, a little bit of a follow-on from one of our previous points. The rule is don't be afraid to test yourself and get outside your comfort zone. And that is slightly contrary to what we're saying about be realistic with yourself and pick something that's suited to you. So um, you need to be able to do both. Yeah, the highly motivated athletes, the one that I'm scared of a lot of the times because they're always doing this. They're always picking stuff that's way above their level. And, you know normally that's going to set yourself up for failure. But I'm all for it. If people are are determined and motivated and they can prove that they're going to do the work, then absolutely go for it. And just just, just the same as it is in a race where you're willing to risk, you know, fortune favours the brave, as someone famous says, (laughs) Julian Painter. And and you you want to be that person who's right on the edge and and you still got to execute. You know, you can't just go for it from the start you know you're picking something it's out of your comfort zone if you manage the day you should be able to achieve anything you want if if you've got the training and the planning and the preparation behind you but yeah pick stuff that's it almost sounds like what we're saying earlier is don't do that Mm. but i want you to challenge yourself but there has to be a realistic challenge that you know that you can train for properly Mm -hmm. and it's not going to cause your marriage to break down Yes, I am absolutely on board with people who are wanting to really push themselves to see where they can get to. Um, But again, my disclaimer is, remember, everything needs to be balanced. And you talk about if you do this in this period, you have to be willing to suffer and be in pain and have results that aren't very nice to have (laughs) or to look at in this period. You've got to be willing to lose for a bit in order to win at the end. Yeah, but remember... Um, there may be events along that journey that are stepping stones that we've talked about and you're, you're going to be, say you, d- you have a 30-week program or a 50-week program, you've got this big race in, you know, a year and a half's time and there's all these races along the way and your pride as a competitor, you want to do well in every race but you will be in form of a 10-week athlete in a 50-week program and in the second race you'll be in the form of an 18-week athlete not in peak form at at 50 weeks i'm just using that example Mm -hmm. even at 30 weeks you won't be in the form that you'll be at 50 weeks so you have to understand that you you won't be in the same form that is going to be on your a race Mm -hmm. so you have to suck that up a bit and wear the fact that you know there might be people who are peaking for that race you're against who you would normally beat who are possibly beating you so so these are things that you have to accept and and understand that the big picture is more important Um, and these are stepping stones along the journey Um, and you have to hold steady with that you have to be patient and know that my big picture is here and yeah, I've got examples of you know people who really want to improve their time trialing and you know it could take two years to get to where they are and they've got to put themselves out and what do I mean by that? Put yourself in situations where you're going to be challenged and get your backside beaten and learn and watch and, you know, get motivated to train properly, even though you, you are training properly, but you're still not at the level you want to be. So it could take a lot of these races before you start to become the athlete you want to be. And don't shy away from these races, even though, you know, you still want to, for example, win a race, but you're now not in the form that you you're in training mode, you're not in taper mode. So it's the possibility of you actually performing well is, is not good. It's okay. You've got, you've got to be okay with that. So all of these races that you accumulate along the journey will be fantastic for you on the day when it counts because you've got all this experience behind you of, of uh, uh, racing with adversity. And adversity means you're actually not tapering or you're tired or you're fatigued or you've been training hard and the race isn't, isn't, that important it's just a training execution race where you're learning how to execute under fatigue so when it comes to the day where you are actually at your a race you you have the freshness to be able to really perform 
with no things holding you back. So I think, you know, that is one of the good things about really challenging yourself. And let's just call this a bonus rule for um, the episode. We said seven rules, but this is number eight and you just touched on it then and that's thinking big picture. And the rule is be in it for the long game. And again, you've touched on this throughout the episode, but just to tie it all up and, and finish things off, you're really passionate about people playing the long game and being in it for the long term and you'll get a better reward when you do that. Yeah, and no, look, I'm, I'm okay with people wanting to, you know, prepare for a 12-week. It's not, it's not my cup of tea, 12-week training program and that's it. They do that and they never train again. I, I, it needs to be a lifestyle decision. If, if you're wanting to, to get the best out of yourself, it's not going to happen in 12 weeks. That's, I cannot make it clearer than that. You need to have, you know, a two-year plan where, you know, this is where I want to aspire to be and what's it going to take for me to get to that? And I've got people who've been with me for five years, for three years, and it's taken them that long to be the triathlete or the time trialist or the road racer or the hill climber or the marathon runner that they want to be. I've got very few examples of people that happened under six months. I've got thousands of examples of it happening three years on. Yeah. So, so I can't. I can't be more plainer. It just doesn't happen unless you've got an incredibly successful period before before this 12-week block that you're doing. So, that, you know, the thing is don't expect things in short, uh, short periods of time. It will take time if you do things well. That's a great way to finish. Thank you very much for joining us again for the podcast in 2022. We can't wait to bring you a whole another year of podcast episodes and awesome guests. We've got some great things lined up this year that we're really pumped about. Uh, most importantly, uh, we get a lot of people wanting to work with us, but we do have limited one-on-one coaching spots. And so this year, we've got a lot more things in the works that we're going to be releasing, how you can get access to our programs, access to our coaching, our coaching advice, our private membership areas, all those kinds of things we've got in the works to release you to give you access to traveler coaching so we're very pumped to bring you that this year but thanks very much for listening again and joining us back for the new year and that's it from us and we'll see you next episode 